probably haven't had the chance to meet you yet. As uh, Pastor Dan said, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're in a series called Foundations. And this series is all about taking apart the vision that we're hoping to instill and become here at Port Kells Church. And so if you missed that, the mission here at Port Kells Church moving forward is to become a community of apprentices of Jesus, joining God in his renewal of all things. And so some of the core values that uh, undergird that we've been talking about. Dan last week talked about how Jesus is our model. He models for us what it looks like to live uh, a well-lived human life. And so today we're going to take apart another one of our core values. And to do that, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. So you could turn there with me if you have your Bibles. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. But Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, a church that he planted, a church that he started, writes this. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God. Sorry. No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, is, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and st to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Would you pray with me one more time as we get going? So God, as we have opened your word, we pray that it would go forth and accomplish exactly what you want it to do in the next couple minutes. Open our hearts to what you want to say to us, Open our minds to what you want us to understand, what you want us to apply, both personally and collectively. But God, I come to you knowing that I cannot do anything apart from you. So come, Holy Spirit, couple my words with your power. Come and glorify Jesus in this place. For your glory and honor and praise, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So probably like some of you in the room growing up, I was extremely scared of the dark. Anybody else? And I was really scared of the dark that I would look into these shadowy areas of my room. I had a creative imagination and my mind would just go wild. I would think there was like shadows. My mind would make up like monsters hiding under the closet or under my bed or, you know, all the things that kids do. And the thing that calmed me down, the thing that brought me to peace, my mom knows where I'm going with the story, is not just running into my parents' bedroom, which has now come full circle, and our six-year-old six Lennon 
um, loves to come into our room at 2 a.m., like on the dot. So pray for me. We're trying to break that habit right now. But not only what calmed me down was running into my parents' room, but was running into my parents' room, getting into my mom's side of the bed, and putting my hand on her face. Something about that just calmed me down, put me at peace. And some mornings I would wake up still with my hand on her face. My mom is a saint, everyone. But why do I tell you that story? Not for you to go, oh, cute, that's so cute, Ben. You're so cute when you're five or whatever. No, I tell you that antidote because as I was thinking about this story, right, this is what I come to understand as an adult. As a kid, my fear wasn't of darkness. My fear wasn't of the dark. Actually, the fear, if I was to put it into words nowadays, was actually a fear of the unknown. It was what lied in the shadows, what I did not know was there or not there in that moment. When it comes to the church, when it comes to a lot of the conversations that I've been having over the course of the last five or so years, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we sense or have a same fear. Fear of the unknown. A, a fear of this mysterious third person of the Trinity that, that some of us don't understand. Don't, some of us don't know how to interact with. Some of the people that I know that go to churches are maybe like a little cautious or some people I know dismiss the idea totally altogether because they don't know how to wrap their minds around it. But here at PKC, one of the things that we want to instill and talk about, one of our core values is this. We are empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. What do we mean by that? We believe that God wants to revive this generation. And our role is to prepare the way by calling people to holiness, repentance, and expectancy for God to move, to move through his spirit. And hearing that in a room like this, I know multiple questions probably pop into your head. Some of them as basic as, okay, Ben, what spirit are you talking about, right? Some of you are asking like, who is the Holy Spirit or what does he do? Right? How does he work in our lives today? And if that is your questions or some of the questions that you are ruminating on in this moment, that is great. Because what I want to do for us this morning is simple. I simply want us to dig into the text, the biblical text. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 and take apart what Paul answers or gives an answer to this question. How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives today? That's the question we're going to answer. How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives today? September 24, 2023, okay? Because here's the thing. Maybe you haven't even thought of this question before up, up, up until this moment. I know that I never really delved into this question or pursued an answer to this question until many years into my walk with Jesus. But I'm mainly talking to followers of Jesus in the room this morning. But if you're not a Christian, if you're exploring Christianity this morning with us, I say welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope that you feel loved and that you belong before you believe in this place. And just so you're tracking with me when I say Holy Spirit and you're like the holy what now? Like what I'm talking about is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. We're talking about the supernatural. And I believe most of us, most human beings, we believe in the supernatural. We believe that it exists. 
you can look at an array of different religions to see that there's this general belief, a consensus that there are evil spirits or good spirits, so-called manifestations of a so-called God. Move outside Western culture and the majority of people believe the supernatural exists. Smart, educated, science-believing people. Listen, I believe as humans, no matter what your religion, it's not natural to disbelieve in the supernatural. Mark Leela, a non-Christian, a political scientist, a professor of humanities at Columbia University in New York, writes this. He writes that to most human beings, deep interest in the supernatural, the afterlife, transcendence, and God comes naturally. It's indifference to them that must be learned. Get that. It's indifference to the supernatural that must be learned. So if you're exploring Christianity with us today, I want you to help you understand what is the unique belief about Christianity when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to the existence of God, that we believe that God's not somewhere out there in the universe aloof. He's actually here amongst us right now as we speak. He walks beside us. He empowers us to live this life out as Christians, as followers of Jesus. To live in a daily interaction with him is actually the normal Christian life. And my heart for you as a pastor is the same heart that Paul has here in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, where he writes, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He doesn't want the church to be uninformed. I don't want you, PKC, to be uninformed, to live in ignorance, to not understand how you interact with the Holy Spirit in your daily lives, how he works. Because every aspect of our Christian life needs the Holy Spirit. That's the only power we have to change to actually experience true transformation in our lives, to actually live out our faith in a way that impacts the world around us. But here's a sad thing that's happened in our culture. In order to make Christianity maybe more palpable, to make it more rational so that more people can accept it, sometimes what we do by accident with good intentions, I've seen this happen in churches, is that we explain away or create this false Christian worldview where we don't need the Holy Spirit to do anything that we're doing in the church. My wife, this just past week, she told me this story. She was talking to this uh, a friend of hers. Uh, she goes to the, the, this family goes to the same school that our daughters go to. And they were having a conversation after school. And she was talking to my wife and asking her questions about the Holy Spirit. And she said, I went to one of the staff at my church and I was asking questions about the Holy Spirit. And she was dumbfounded because she's been a Christian for many years. And she just had some simple questions. But this staff member at the church said to her, I'm not sure if I believe in the Holy Spirit. That is just a small window into this moment at, in some churches where they're questioning the existence of the Holy Spirit. And listen to me, PKC, we believe in the Trinity here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, today what I want to do is lay a basic theology, if you will, of the third person of the Trinity. Okay? Theology, meaning like in biology, we study living organisms. Theology is the study of God. So I want to lay a foundation that you can build on, but this is really important for you to get and understand because this is what I believe. As one pastor says, what you believe absolutely determines how you act. 
What you believe absolutely determines how you act. So while good theology, he says, at its best can lead us to live godly lives, bad theology will always point us in the wrong direction. By no means am I going to be able to pack it, unpack it fully, okay? This is an extensive topic. There's volumes and volumes and volumes written on this topic. So my encouragement for you is if you want more resources, come and talk to me after the service. I would love to recommend some books. I would love to guide you in the right way. One thing that you can do is you can take the theme of the Holy Spirit and go into your own Bible at home and try to track it throughout Scripture. I think that's the best place to start. But here we go. A couple of verses that we're going to take apart. 1 Corinthians 12. This is where I want to start. Verse 3. Okay? We're not going to be able to touch on all 11 verses. But verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know, Paul is saying, that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God uh, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, that's tricky English right there, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So first and foremost, to get this out of the way, how do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Okay, that's the first question I want to ask. answer. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Simple. Paul puts it like this. You know you have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit initiates and leads us to confess that Jesus is Lord. So have you made that confession? Have you made that confession in response to the gospel, the good news that Jesus has come and has lived a perfect life in our place, has died for the sins of the world on the cross, has been buried and resurrected on the third day, has now ascended and is sitting at the right hand of Jesus, ruling and reigning, sorry, the Father, ruling and reigning, working through the church right now, moving everything to the renewal of all things, which culminates with him coming back again. Have you made that confession? Do you believe that? If you have, you have the Holy Spirit. The only way that you truly know that the Spirit is working in your lives is if you made that confession. It's actually, Paul says, the Holy Spirit that reveals that reality to you, so therefore you can put your faith in Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot do that. Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthian church in this letter He's trying to answer some of their questions that they're asking. See, what has happened is there's some problems that have arised in this church that he has planted. There's different factions that are forming. And the interesting thing is, in modern terms, uh, one scholar says, D.A. Carson says it like this, there are those that are charismatic in our modern term, that, that they believe in the gifts of the, and the works of the Holy Spirit almost a little too much. And that there are those that are skeptical to the Holy Spirit and his workings and how he moves. And the funny thing about it is when I read that, is like, that is pretty evident in our church nowadays, isn't it, right? Just think about the different denominations that we have. But to set things right, this is what Paul is doing, right? To get to, at the heart of the issue. He says about the gifts of the Spirit. That's what he writes, right? Again, theologians say this is a poor theo uh, th translation in the English. If we go back to the original Greek and translate it rightly, a better way to understand what Paul is saying in English is this, about spiritual people or about spiritual things. And he goes on to finish the point by saying, no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. His emphatic point that he's making is the Holy Spirit makes us receptive to Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to surrender your life to him as Lord. 
Therefore, there is no charismatic or non-charismatic, D.A. Carson says in the kingdom of God. To be Christian is to be charismatic. Charisma, the Greek word for gift, or as we know it, free gift, or a gift from a divine, a gift of divine grace. Doesn't that make sense? Paul, the guy who is all about grace, is trying to make it very clear that the initiating factor that gets us into a relationship with Jesus is a gift of grace, which is the Holy Spirit. It's given to us so that we can make that confession. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot make Jesus Lord. You have the, whole, you have the Holy Spirit if you call Jesus Lord. But here is the crucial differenti- differentiation that I want us to make. You have the Holy Spirit if Jesus is Lord in your life, but you don't have the Holy Spirit if you just call Jesus God. Hear me. Because here's the problem in this community in Corinth. There's a bunch of Christians that are faking it. There are a bunch of Christians, as he said, that came from these pagan religions that are in the church that they think they're Christians, but they aren't. Why? Because they haven't made Jesus Lord in their life. They just see Jesus as another God with the other plethora of Greek gods in that culture. And they serve him with some superstitious belief in the background. But what Paul is trying to make clear to them and us in this moment is that unless you make Jesus Lord, you don't have the Holy Spirit working inside of you. To believe that Jesus is just God is like what James says in uh, chapter 2 verse 16. In the NLT, he says it like this. You say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Even the evil spirits in the world believe that Jesus was God. What leads to a real saving faith is the work of the Holy Spirit. He initiates and leads us to confess that Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that takes this belief and makes it a permeating reality in your life. A life-changing uh, uh, thing that transforms you from the inside out. So again, here's my question. Have you made that confession? Have you made that confession this morning? I want to do something a little different. I want us in this moment to pause. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit and God to come and make that confession of reality in your life or for those of us that are followers of Jesus in this moment I want you to pray and ask God to bring to mind someone in your life a friend a family member that needs to make this confession in their life that you would pray that the Holy Spirit maybe right now in this moment wherever they are at remember God is omnipresent that they would make the Holy Spirit would make their heart receptive to Jesus be it today, be it this week, be it this month, be it the next time you interact with them, that you would have the opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news of the gospel with them. So let's take a moment. When we talk about the gospel, we're not just talking about doctrine. As Jeff Vanderselt, a pastor, put it, he writes this, we're talking about the very real dynamic power of God to create, redeem, and save. The power I am talking about brought the world into existence. The power of the gospel is the power that enabled Jesus to overcome temptation, 
preach with authority, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, and rise from the dead himself, as Pastor Dan said last week. The gospel is not just dogma, though it is doctrine we believe. It's not just history, though it is historical. It's not just past, though it happened. The gospel is the power of God made available to us through the Son of God who gave his life for us. He is alive and at work in those who believe by his spirit. And that power was exerted, is presently available, and will keep us safe until the end. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for our entire lives. If you believe this, you have this power. You have this power. And when Paul writes in verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He is talking not only to them, but he's talking to you as a follower of Jesus. You are one of the ones that Paul is writing about, is talking to. And we learn here one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives today is like this. The Holy Spirit expresses himself through different gifts, through different people, for one purpose, to encourage and build up the church. At a basic level, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest or express the active presence of God in the world today, especially the church, the people of God. And the Holy Spirit expresses himself through different gifts, through different people for one purpose, to encourage and build up the church. That's how the Holy Spirit works today. That last part took me a while to get, to encourage and build up the church. Meaning the Holy Spirit wants to work through you to encourage and build up other people. At first, when it came to my understanding or my pursuit of the Holy Spirit, I really wanted to experience him for myself. I wanted to experience and experience his power to encourage and build up myself. So one of the gifts uh, that I decided to pursue, I don't know why, there was no rhyme or reason, I just thought it would be cool, was the gift of speaking in tongues, as Paul writes here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And so uh, if you don't know what that gift is, Wayne Grudem, a theologian, defines tongues as this in his book in Systematic Theology. Prayer or praise spoken in syllables, not understood by the speaker, and he gets that from 1 Corinthians 14. You can look that up for later. But for some reason, I really wanted that gift. So I prayed, and we had like this prayer team at this church I worked at in Richmond. Uh, it was a bunch of great, faithful, older women that were prayer warriors. So they laid their hands on me, and they prayed for me. But in those moments, you know, when I was praying for this gift, I was asking myself, okay, why do I really want this gift? And it wasn't until later on that I realized, like, the most uh, uh, powerful ways that I've experienced God in my life the ways that I've really seen his Holy Spirit move through me was not for my own edification, but was actually working through me to build up and encourage others. Wanting spiritual gifts is not a bad thing, though. Paul puts it like this in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, pursue love and in earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Desiring spiritual gifts is a good thing. I want you to understand that. But how the Holy Spirit works through us is to encourage and build up others. And just so we're on the same page, when I say spiritual gifts, I'm not talking about natural abilities or talents, okay? J.I. Packer, another theologian that has taught here at Regent Seminary down in 
UBC, says it like this, spiritual gift is an ability in some way to express, celebrate, display, and communicate Christ. We're told gifts rightly used build up Christians and churches. So here's the question. What does that look like? Right? Paul gives us a bunch of gifts. He illustrates them. He lists them for us in verses 8 to 11. But what I want to do for you right now in this moment is show you how scripture and my life intersected and help me in my learning of the Holy Spirit, okay? So here's an illustration to to help you uh, bring this to life. What does this look like? One of the gifts, okay? So a year ago, I was sitting in a service like this on a Friday night. Pastor Dan used to lead this young adult service. I've mentioned it a couple times. And so I was visiting. I was back from Ontario. I was sitting in service just like you are, just attending, okay? I had no role. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting back waiting to hear a good sermon and totally judge the guy. No, I'm joking. Uh, But I was just sitting there listening to this guy preach. Dan wasn't preaching. It was another guy preaching. And I was sitting there and he was speaking from 1 Kings 19. If you don't know the story, don't worry. All you need to know is Elijah is running away from a king uh, who's trying to kill him. And he all of a sudden collapses under this terebinth tree, whatever that is. And he's exhausted. And he, my paraphrase says, God, like, I don't want to live this life anymore. Just kill me. It's better to die in this moment than keep running from this king, okay? And as this uh, leader was preaching from this text, this is the thought that popped into my head, okay? Not an audible voice, but just this thought. Somebody here tonight might be suicidal, just like this moment that we're reading in this biblical story. They haven't just come to the end of themselves, but they've come to the end of the will to live. So I wrote that down. And what in that moment I thought was happening, because I know scripture and I've studied this, is I was like, okay, this might be a prophetic word. What is prophecy you might be asking? Well, it's not predicting the future, nor proclaiming a word from the Lord, nor powerful preaching. But it is, according to one theologian, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind through the Holy Spirit in fallible human words. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Every word counts in this definition. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind through the Holy Spirit, infallible human words, meaning that God speaks clearly, but sometimes as humans, we can mess it up. Okay. If that gift was operating 100% in that moment, I wasn't sure, but it seemed to meet the criteria according to what I thought. So I leaned over to Dan because he was going to lead the prayer ministry time at the end of that service. And I was like, hey, Dan, this might be something that you should pray into and test and see if it's a way that some people need to respond. As soon as I leaned back over from explaining Dan what I just felt a prompt, uh, prompted to share with him, right away, God just brought to mind this woman that was sitting in the second row that my friend brought who was um, a Sikh woman. And she came to the service for the first time. And in that moment, God put it on my heart that this was actually for this lady. And I was supposed to go and pray for her after service. So I lean over to Dan and I'm like, hey, never mind. I actually know what to do with this. I was still reluctant. I was still super skeptical. Okay. I still always have these inner dialogues with God. Like, okay, what if I get this wrong, God? Like, what's going to happen? But I've learned over the course of many years, I'm getting it wrong that my job is just to step out in faith 
and obedience and leave the rest up to him. So after uh, the service, I quickly go beeline it to my friend who's sitting in the, the front row and I ask him like, hey, would you ask your friend if it's okay, if she's open to me praying with her, okay? Knowing that she's not a Christian, knowing that she's Sikh. He's like, okay, I'll ask her. So as he's doing that, I go grab another female leader to pray with me because I always like to pray in twos and she's open to it. So we go sit down. So I started explaining to her, uh, I could be wrong, but this is the sense that I got during the service that like Elijah in the story, that you might be dealing with suicidal thoughts. And she nods her head. She doesn't really say anything in the moment. And then I go on to explain to her, uh, I, uh, you say that maybe yeah, like you've come to the end of yourself, not only that, but you've come to the end of your will to live. But I want you to know this in this moment, God's gentle whisper to you is this. You're more loved and accepted than you can ever imagine. And God says that he has a purpose for your life if you would follow him. In that moment, she just starts weeping. And the Holy Spirit starts initiating and doing a work in her life. I pray for her. I leave her with the other leader uh, to pray for her, to talk about how to get connected in church, what it means to follow Jesus. And I just, I leave that moment. I go with my friend who is dumbfounded, who is overjoyous in this moment. He's like, Ben, you're not going to believe what happened. But the whole car ride here, this girl was telling us how she was dealing with suicidal thoughts and how she wanted to commit suicide. And everybody in the car didn't know how to encourage her, didn't know what to say. And they were, we were just saying like, okay, this is the right place to be. Just come tonight to the service and we know something's going to happen. You're going to experience something. And not only that, Ben, at the end of the service, when they asked everybody to come up for prayer, Ben, I was praying that she would respond. I was praying that she would go up for prayer. And in that moment when she didn't go up, I was so discouraged. But a minute later, you came and found me. And I realized in that moment that God was answering my prayer through you. If you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, Ben, that would never happen to me. Hear me, you're wrong. You're wrong. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to work through you in similar ways. Maybe not that exact gift, but one of the gifts that Paul just has listed. Listed. See, the Holy Spirit leads us. You need to understand that. The Holy Spirit, he's a person. It's a relationship that we're in. He leads you. But sometimes we get along. We think that we lead him, that we lead the Holy Spirit. We like to dictate what happens. But when it comes to him, he leads you. And when we ask for more of his presence, more of God, or to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, what we are asking for, because it's a relationship, is deeper intimacy with God. That is what we're asking for. He's a person, not a force like Star Wars. I've said this before. We don't wield him like the force in Star Wars. No, he guides us. He leads us. That's what I learned in this journey. We should be expectant that he wants to manifest these gifts through our lives to encourage and build up one another, the people around us. But here's the thing. You need to be open to his leading. You need to have a posture that you're listening, that you are making yourself available to how he wants to work through you in these moments. Otherwise, you'll miss these opportunities. These opportunities to encourage one another, 
that not only encourage the other person, but also encourage you in that moment. God has taught me this several times. And this is what I want to challenge you with. If you haven't learned to recognize God's voice, you need to spend more time in the Bible. That's how you learn to recognize his voice, through scripture. That is a guaranteed place of encounter, a guaranteed place where you hear God's voice and you start to realize and recognize how it sounds. See, I spent so much time with my wife that when she calls me on the phone, I don't ever go, hey, who is this? Right? Because I spent so much time with her, talking to her, in conversation with her, that I'm like, hey, babe, how's it going? That's my response. Right? Same thing is true with God and your relationship with him. The more time you spend in his word, recognizing his voice when he calls, when he asks you to step out in faith, you won't say, hey, who is this? You will know what you need to do in that moment and you will trust that he wants to work through you. One of the simple prayers that you can play, pray that I've learned is this. When you want to start trying to figure out how to recognize God's voice is this prayer. God, is there anything you want to encourage my friend fill in the blank with today? As you're sitting in a service, as you're in a conversation with them, hey, is there anything that you want me to encourage Mike with today? That's a prayer you can pray. Sometimes God answers that in the moment. Sometimes he won't. But it's a prayer that you can use to start realizing and recognizing God's voice in your own life. So here's the thing. God wants to work through us right now in this community this way today. So the first of all, right now, if you're following Jesus, you're probably sitting on two sides of the fence. Okay, this is where I want to land. First question you need to ask yourself is, do you actually believe any of this? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit exists and works in these ways today like we're reading about in this moment? Do you believe we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit to look, act, and talk more and more like Jesus each and every day? The Jesus that we read about in the Gospels, who is the model of what it looks like to truly be human. Walking in step with the Spirit and the Spirit walking through us like Jesus did should be the normal Christian experience. It shouldn't be supernatural. It should be super normal. That is what our faith is. It's a supernatural faith. So questions you need to wrestle with in this moment. Does the Holy Spirit work today in this way? Do you believe that? If not, ask God to help you with your unbelief. He's a good father. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to shape you into who he sees you becoming. And, and that's the version of yourself that most accurately reflects Jesus to the people around you. That's who you're becoming. So that's, secondly, maybe this is you. You're sitting there and the whole time you're like, yeah, I want this. I want the Holy Spirit to work through me in this way. I want to see the gifts manifest through my life. And here's the question that you have to ask yourself. Why? What's the motive behind that? Is it for selfish reasons? Is it to feel super spiritual and more important than others like some of these people are feeling in this Corinthian church that we're reading about? Or is it working from a place of love for your neighbor? Where you're sitting there thinking, God, I just hope today in this service you can use me in a way that serves you and encourages a person around me. 
Is that your mindset? Is that your heart? If not, ask that God would do that work in your life right now in this moment and that he would give you that mindset, that he would give you that heart that is others' focus. Because the Holy Spirit works, empowers us to build up and encourage one another. And just imagine with me for a second, okay? You know, Paul, I think, is just working and explaining throughout this book and praying for this Corinthian church to operate in this way, to operate in unity. He wants to see them expand. He wants them to see them build God's kingdom, to partner with him, to move in the gifts. And the more and more I read this passage and go back to this passage and, uh, and meditate on it, this is the conclusion that I always get. We need each other. I can't do this by myself. Dan can't do this by himself. If you were given one gift and I am given one gift, Paul later on says that we need all those gifts working together to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet, the head, the eye, the ear, in order to actually truly be the church in the here and the now. And this is what I believe. What the city of Vancouver needs is not just the next greatest preacher of our generation. What the city of Vancouver needs, it's normal people like me and you that understand our gifts and understand that we are called as a community to be the church in the here and the now. That you have a gift that some way, somehow in God's great grand plan and design He wants to use that gift, work that gift through you so that he can reach that neighbor that lives next to you. That he can live, uh, reach that coworker that works in the cubicle next to you. Or that classmate that sits next to you in class. That some way, somehow, in his grand design, he wants to partner with you, even though he could do it himself, he wants to work through you, through your life. Are you open to that? Do you want to be used by him? I keep thinking of this verse, you know, Matthew 9, 37, where Jesus turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. The harvest is plenty, my friends, this morning. And my prayer is that some of you would wake up to the reality that God has called you to be a worker in building the kingdom of God in the here and the now. So with that, I want us to pray. I want us to take another moment to pray, but this is a prayer that I want you to pray quietly in your seat. God, what gift do you want to work through me in this church or whatever community you're from? God, what spiritual gift do you want to work through me? So I'm going to take a moment, give you to pray quietly by yourself, and then I'm going to close by praying uh, a prayer of Paul's written in Ephesians 3 over us as a congregation as the band comes up, okay? So let's pray again. And again, the question I want you to pray and ask God, God, what gift do you want to work through me to encourage and build up others? So let's pray. I'm going to end in prayer. Um, But if you had a sense of maybe there's a gift that God's given you, uh, we would love to pray into that after service with you, uh, after this next song. Uh, So come and find me or Dan. Uh, But let me pray this prayer of Paul's over us as a community. He writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that 
out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.